So I don't know about you, uh, but every once in a while, I just want to give my brain a little break. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes I just want to stop thinking about or worrying about or reading about all sorts of different things. I don't, I don't have anything in particular in mind, just things, right? And, and so I, I stop and I take a break. And I've been talking to some friends recently. I said, well, what do you do when you want to take a break? And one, one friend told me he actually watches cat videos. I thought cat videos were something we made jokes about people watching, but nobody actually watched them. But it turns out my friend watches cat videos. They also told me I was texting with them and, and making fun, uh, teasing them. I'm making fun, teasing them. Gentle words. They also like to watch plane crash videos. What in the world? Is that even a thing? Are there, I digress. When I want to take a break, I like to watch soccer videos, particularly videos of Lionel Messi, the greatest soccer player to ever walk the earth. I like watching him score brilliant goals. It just, it just makes me happy to watch these videos. And it's funny because you listen to the commentators trying to describe Messi's soccer abilities. You can see this with any great athlete, right? Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, it's hard to describe somebody doing such brilliant things on the field of play. And one commentator was actually complaining that they'd run out of adjectives to describe Messi's playing. And then, as they were continuing to find the words, they simply said, this is a man doing what he was made to do. And that phrase struck me. This is a man doing what he was made to do. Have you ever had that kind of experience in life? Have you ever watched somebody, maybe an athlete, but maybe anybody in their profession or in their home or in their relationships, have you ever encountered somebody who, who finds such joy, such effortlessness, such skill at doing what they're doing that when you see it, you go, that's what you were made to do. Or, similarly, what about you? Have you ever felt that yourself? Have you ever been in a situation and you've looked around and you said, when I'm doing this, I know that this is what I am made to do? I want to offer that question at the beginning of our service, because as we continue to read the book of Acts, we're going to learn a little more about the Apostle Paul. We've met him a couple times. We're going to review a little bit of his life so far. And then we've come to a pretty critical turning point, a significant new beginning in his life and ministry. And I think we're going to learn about Paul and how he began to do what God had made him to do. And here's my hope for us. My hope is that every one of us, whether we're new to the Christian faith or we've been following Christ for a long time, whether we have a strong sense of what God has made us to do, or whether that's a brand new question, my hope is that every one of us could see what the next step might be for us to live more of our lives, spend more of our time doing what we were made to do. With that, open your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 12. We're starting in verse 25, Acts 12, 25 through 13, verse 3. 
just a few short verses, but a critical and pivotal moment in the story of the book of Acts so far. Here's how the story goes in Acts 12, 25. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Here we have the beginning of what's often called Paul's first missionary journey. This is the starting point of the first of three international tours, international journeys that Paul takes, starting churches, teaching churches, encouraging churches all throughout the Roman Empire. It's a pivotal point in the book of Acts where we no longer are focusing primarily on the church in Jerusalem, but rather we're learning about how the church in Jerusalem is doing what God called them to do, expanding the church from Jerusalem to Judea to all Samaria and even to the very ends of the earth. We mentioned before, but just to clarify, Saul and Paul, they're actually the same person. That's just the Hebrew versus the Greek spelling of the same name. So if I say Saul or Paul sometimes, I'm talking about the same guy. I'm probably going to say Paul most of the sermon this morning. And here's how this passage starts. It says, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, and you might say to yourself, what what mission are we talking about, Carl? I thought this passage was the beginning of Paul's first missionary journey. What mission have they just finished? And if you ask that, it's a great question, so let me summarize. Here's what we know about Paul's life so far. You'll remember that our first encounter was Paul standing over the dead body of Stephen, one of the leaders of the church, after Stephen had just been executed by the Jewish elite in Jerusalem at the time. And so we meet Paul as somebody who was working passionately against the church. We find out that Paul was highly educated. He was an incredibly knowledgeable man. We find out that he had great passion and zeal. Whatever Paul did, he did it. He was all in. He was 100%. And we find out that Paul was also a great writer and teacher who in Judaism had won the reputation of being somebody wise in understanding and teaching what we would call the Old Testament. However, Paul then has an encounter with Jesus on the road that he was traveling to go to a city called Damascus. And when he encounters Jesus, Jesus says, Paul, why are you fighting against me? Paul's like, well, what do you mean? I'm, I'm trying to do what you command, Lord. But then Jesus says, no, 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 I am Jesus, the risen Lord. 
You need to stop fighting against me. And Paul has a conversion moment where his life was going one direction, fighting against the church, and he turned and his life started going a different direction and he started working for the church. But here's the interesting thing that I notice: For as dramatic of a change Paul just experienced in his life, we also see that from the beginning, Paul knew he was a gifted man and he knew what his gifts were. Paul started as somebody with great knowledge, with great passion, and with a great gift of, of, of teaching. And after his conversion, those gifts were the same. So Paul always knew his gifts, but when his conversion happened, he started using those gifts for kingdom purposes. No longer working against God, but rather now working for God. Have you ever met somebody who clearly had some wonderful gifts? Maybe in your own life, have you ever looked at yourself and said, you know what? I think I'm good at this. I'm gifted with this. And yet, you'd have to acknowledge, or you've seen it in other people, they're taking their gifts and they're using them for the wrong reasons. They're taking good gifts and using them towards evil ends. They're taking beautiful things in their life and they're using them to create ugly or hurtful things in the world. Moreover, there's a kind of a more foundational question. If we as God's people know that it's a real joy to see people doing what they're made to do, if we as God's people want to live our lives spending more of our time and more of our energy doing what we're made to do, then the starting point of that journey is asking, do you know that you've been given a gift from God? Do you know that when God made you, when he formed you, he formed you, giving you specific gifts and abilities and passions and resources? Do you know your gifts? If we want to live lives, spending more of our time doing what God made us to do, the starting point is to know the gifts we have been given. So, Paul has his conversion, right? And then we don't know exactly what happens. We don't get a lot of details, but a couple things we do know. Paul, after his conversion on the road to Damascus, he returns to his hometown of Tarsus. And while he's there, one of the other leaders in the church in Antioch, a man named Barnabas, hears about Paul and goes and finds Paul in Tarsus. We don't know exactly what Barnabas does with Paul, but it's pretty clear that Barnabas starts discipling Paul and explaining to Paul what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And then Paul and Barnabas, who are connected to the church in Antioch, they find out that over in Jerusalem, a severe famine has just hit the land. And because of that famine, a lot of the Jesus followers in Jerusalem are really suffering. They are seriously suffering from lack of food. So here's what happens. The church in Antioch takes up a collection, and they want to send that money to the church in Jerusalem. And they're looking around going, who should we send on this mission to bring our offering to the church in Jerusalem to alleviate their suffering from the famine? And they choose Barnabas and Paul. And they give Barnabas and Paul the money and they send them on a mission to deliver this offering to Jerusalem. 
and then returned from Jerusalem back to Antioch. That is the mission at the beginning of this text that Barnabas and Paul have just returned from Jerusalem having completed. And so it's interesting because we can see Paul has a conversion experience. He's given a first kind of small, you know, just sort of a single task, a small first mission. But like we said, he's about to launch a much greater mission. And so this is the second thing I observe about Paul's life in the book of Acts. Paul's a man who always knew his gifts, but he just started using them for kingdom purposes. And we also see that there's a trajectory to the ministry that Paul carries out in his life. See, Paul's ministry started small, one task, one job, but it grew as the Spirit led. So let me ask you a second question. As you're trying to live more of your life doing what God made you to do, the first question was, do you know your gifts? Do you know that God has gifted you? And if so, do you know what the gifts are God has given you? But second, as you look around for opportunities to use those gifts, do you see a trajectory? Do you see evidence that God has given you opportunities starting in small ways, and then as you follow the Spirit, those opportunities are growing into bigger and bigger opportunities to lead? We're going to see even more of that in the life of Paul, and I think that can be a good example in our lives as well, that we know the gifts God has given us, and we see them growing as we continue to follow Christ in our lives. Now, we get another really interesting note from the text. See, we're reading these stories because the church in Jerusalem and the church in ancient Rome in the ancient Near East was learning how to follow the mission God had given them in the midst of changing and uncertain times, in the midst of political difficulty and financial concern and social division and relational tension. So we're learning how the church then did it so that we today can follow Jesus faithfully in our lives as well. And Luke, when he's writing the book of Acts, gives us this little note about the leadership of the church in Antioch. We get the names of a few of the key leaders, the prophets and teachers who are leaders of the church in Antioch. We find out Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, and Saul. We find out that they are all leaders in the church in Jerusalem. Just a few things to note about this group of men leading the church. First, Barnabas. He is, that is a Hebrew name. He is a, a Hebrew, ethnic, and Jewish religious background, Jesus follower. So this is the traditional Jewish man in what is still a largely Jewish church. Then we have Simeon and Lucius. As far as we can tell, they're both most likely men from North Africa, very likely black men. And so we see multi-ethnicity present in the leadership structure of the church very early on. This next one is, is almost unbelievable. We meet Manaen, and the text said that he had been raised with Herod the Tetrarch. Most scholars think that he was probably some sort of a foster brother of Herod. Well, who's Herod? This is the Herod Agrippa 
we just talked about last Sunday. This is the Herod Agrippa who ordered the execution of James, who ordered the imprisonment of Peter, who was winning favor from the Jewish elite by imprisoning and murdering the Jesus followers. And Herod's foster brother was a leader in the church in Antioch. And then, of course, we have Saul, the Jew who had been a murderer of Christians, who is now a leader of the church. And so from the very beginning, we see evidenced in the church that there was unity across ethnic lines, across political lines, across socioeconomic class lines. From the beginning, the church was a multi-ethnic mosaic of Jesus' followers. And that's because diversity is an essential expression of God through his community on earth. We actually see this all throughout scripture, right? At the launching point for the church in general, the day of Pentecost at the beginning of Acts, how is the presence of God represented? By people speaking many different languages and still understanding one another. At the end of scripture, when Uh, The Apostle John is writing about a vision of the future of the church. What, What direction is the church going? John describes the culmination of the church as people worshiping God from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. Ethnic and cultural and linguistic diversity is an essential expression of God's desire for people on earth. So, Kind of question two, as we're uh, trying to move in our lives to become people who live more and more fully doing what God made us to do, do we know our gifts? If we know our gifts, do we see them growing throughout life? As we use those gifts, do we see them leading us into embracing greater expressions of the diversity of God's good creation? The story goes on, and we're about to now see the moment when God calls Paul and Barnabas to their next mission. It says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. Now, here's what's going to come right after this little passage of Scripture. Barnabas and Paul are going to be prayed for and sent out, and then they're going to travel all around. They're going to sail to an island called Cyprus, They're going to go to towns like Iconium and Lystra and Derbe. And all throughout, they're going to be taking the message that Jesus himself taught, and they're going to be teaching it to other people. They're going to be calling people to repent. They're going to be baptizing people upon repentance. They're going to be teaching them the teachings of Jesus. And they're going to be inviting people to live a life that looks like Jesus. They're going to go on what today would probably be a a million-dollar international uh, missionary work. This is a massive undertaking. Yes, they've been preparing for this for quite a while. We know that the church has been gathering probably still daily for community, for studying Scripture, for practicing generosity, for praying together. We know that worship and prayer has been a regular and consistent pattern in their life. But now it's noteworthy that the daily practice of worship and prayer, those now become the launching pad 
for mission. Worship and prayer are the launching pad for the mission that God calls his people to. I mean, what that says to you is if that you're looking at your life and you're going, okay, sure, maybe Carl, like maybe God's given me gifts and, and I've got some ideas, but I don't really know how to use those gifts. I don't really know where God's calling me to use them. And, and as I think about this challenge or this difficulty or this question in my life, I don't really know how to answer that question so that I know I'm using my gifts for what God has called me to use. If that's you, if you've ever wondered to yourself, what's God really gifted me to do? Then the way you lean into that question is by making worship and prayer a regular practice in your life. Because worship and prayer are the launching pad for mission. The text goes on. It says they were worshiping and fasting, and God said to the church, to the leadership in Antioch, he said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And I love that phrase, to which I have called them. God is saying that he has called out. He's literally called out and said, hey, I've got something for you to do. God has a work that God wants Barnabas and Saul to go and do. And like we just said, we know what that work is. That work is a travel to teach the word of God, to encourage God's people, to baptize like Jesus said. And it turns out all of the gifts Paul has already had, gifts of passion, which he's going to need in the face of opposition, gifts of knowledge, which he's going to need to teach the church how to be faithful to Jesus, gifts of teaching, which he's going to need to continually uh, educate and provide correction and provide direction to all of these early Jesus followers, which Paul is going to need to influence your life as well. Because so many of the words we read in Scripture are words that Paul wrote using the gifts God had given them to use. So Paul has always known those gifts. He's just started using them for kingdom purposes. But Paul's gifts naturally led to his call. And so that brings us back to you again. Why is it that you want to know your gifts? Because not just in the life of Paul, but story after story after story of Scripture suggests that quite often the gifts God has given you, he then calls you to use. And that calling starts in a general way because God hasn't said yet, go to this city and that city. God's going to say that later. But God starts with the gifts he gives you and he moves to a general direction, a general calling on your life. And then, of course, we see in Paul's life, Paul's call then naturally led to his ministry. And so here's what I'd love for you. Can you look over your life and can you say, I see evidence that the gifts God has given me through worship and prayer have resulted in my hearing God's call on my life. And after I've heard that call, it's resulted in specific opportunities to live that out in ministry. I could say it this way. Here's the question. For you in your life, as you're looking ahead and you're going, I, I'd love to do what I'm made to do. That, that sounds great. Yeah, I know that that's a great way to do it. But Carl, I don't know how to get there. Here's my su suggestion. Here's some serious questions. 
to look back over your life and to consider, can I answer these questions honestly? First, like Paul, do you know your gifts? Knowing the gifts that God has given you is a powerful starting place to understanding the life God made you to live. Well, okay, Carl, but how do I know those gifts? I've got two suggestions, and both of these I wrote them uh, in the study guide for this week. So you can go on our church website and get that study guide. Um, you know how to find it. We, you know, for those of you in the building on Sundays, we link to it. How do you know your gifts? One, there's a few passages in Scripture that actually talk about a number of gifts that God gives his people. Gifts like teaching or encouraging or hospitality or serving or leading. These are just some of the many gifts that God has given you. So if, you don't, if you're not certain of your gifts, go and read Scripture. And just like the church in Antioch, spend some time praying and saying, God, show me what gifts you, by your Spirit, have given me in my life. Second, maybe you know your gifts. Maybe you have a good idea. But do you know your call? What do I mean by call? I just mean, if you've been given a gift, the call is the general direction that you've been led to use your gifts in life. I would say, I'm called to be a pastor. I love the gifts God has given me, and I believe because of the gifts God has given me, he called me to be a pastor. That's the direction that he called me in my life, is the type of work and the type of ministry that he has gifted me to do. Well, what about you? Considering the gifts God has given you, What's your call? God calls people to all sorts of things. He calls people to ministry in their workplaces. He calls people to ministry in their homes. He calls people to ministry in churches. He calls people to ministry in politics. God calls people to use their gifts for his purposes in all sorts of areas. Have you spent time in prayer, in community, in worship, saying, God, show me where you have called me in my life. And once you know your gifts, and once you know your call, then the third question is, are you living out your call? I mean, think about it. What if you met me and, you're, and we were having this conversation, we're both Jesus followers, we're Christians, and you, and you said to me, Carl, well, what do you think you're called to do? And I said, oh, I think God's called me to be a pastor. But then as we talked more and more, what if I told you that I wasn't a pastor, that I never had been a pastor, that I wasn't trying to become a pastor, I wasn't applying for opportunities to be a pastor? Wouldn't that be a little weird if I said God's gifted me for this, God's called me for this, but I'm actually not doing anything to try and live that out? I think that would be a pretty strange thing. So what about you? Do you know your gifts? Based on those gifts and through worship and prayer, have you heard God call you in your life? And based on that general calling, can you say that the gifts and call God has given you, you are actively living it out in your life? Again, God will call you to live it out in all sorts of places. Through the ministries of this church, through your ministry in your home, through your ministry out in the marketplace. I don't know what it is, but what I do know is God has given you gifts to do his work through your life. And the question we need to ask is, are we living out 
that call. There's one kind of critical question that needs to be answered that sort of lies underneath. It's kind of the foundation to all of this. See, we really aren't going to answer any of those questions if we can't first answer yes to this most fundamental question. We're not going to hear from God to understand our gifts. We're not going to hear from God to understand our calling. We're not going to hear from God to understand how to live out that calling unless we can first say yes to this question. Do you know the sound of the Holy Spirit's voice? See, it's said that the church in Antioch was worshiping and praying. And then it said, God told them. It doesn't tell us what the voice of God sounded like. It doesn't tell us if one person sort of heard it and spoke it or if the whole group just sort of understood it. It really doesn't detail how it happened. But it does say that the leadership of the church in Antioch knew the sound of God's voice when they heard it. What about you? In your life, as you're trying to figure out the right path forward, in challenging, complicated, changing times, do you know the sound of God's voice when God speaks? I mean, when I say that for me and for many people, it's almost never audible. It's almost never like a voice in a room, though there are people that experience God's voice that powerfully in certain times and places. What it does look like is a prayerful conversation with trusted brothers and sisters in Christ. What it does look like is serious reflection on the desires of my heart, both confessing the bad and identifying the good. Serious thought and prayer to say, God, where are you leading me? And then more often than not, like the prophet Elijah described back in the book of 1 Kings, it sounds like a still and quiet voice, almost like a whisper in my heart. It feels like something markedly different than the noise and the distraction of the world around me. The voice of God is recognizable, as one New Testament author said, by the peace that surpasses understanding that often accompanies God's voice in my life. Do you know the sound of the Holy Spirit's voice? So that when you seek to know your gifts, hear your call, and act on that call in your life, you can say, I'm doing this because I believe God has told me to do it. You may or may not know this, but it turns out that we as a church, actually, we spend a lot of time in leadership across the board. The church council, whenever they meet, the church staff, whenever we meet, our ministry teams, uh, year in and year out as they're meeting and planning, our primary work, our priority as a church is to say, the work that we're going to do, the ministries we're going to pursue, the opportunities we're going to pursue, the things we say yes to, the things we say no to, we're going to do it founded on the words that we hear God speaking to us. We put into practice, we talk about and learn about and think about how do we make sure that we know how to hear God's voice, usually through the shared discernment of a whole community, so that we're doing what God has called us to do. And here's why that matters so much. When you use your gifts to do what God has called you to do, that is when you are doing what you were made to do. And it turns out there's actually nothing in life 
better than that. I had a phone call um, with a longtime church member, Ellen Robinson, just a couple days ago. And I was talking to her. Her dad uh, passed away just a couple weeks ago. So I was talking with Ellen, and I was praying with Ellen. And she shared with me this story, a memory that she has uh, of a conversation she had with her dad long ago when Ellen was a little girl. She told me she walked into her parents' bedroom, and she saw her dad praying on his hands and knees on the floor in his bedroom. And Ellen said, Daddy, what are you doing? And he said, I'm praying. And she said, Daddy, well, what are you praying for? He said, Ellen, I'm praying for you, and I'm praying for our kids. And Ellen, she was pretty young at this point, so this was a very significant, impressionable moment, but she kind of looked at her dad almost quizzically and said, well, Daddy, why are you praying for me? And he said, well, isn't that what daddies are supposed to do? See, Ellen's dad demonstrated to her what I think all of us know to be true. There's nothing better in life than doing what you were made to do. Ellen's dad knew that for parents, one of the things certainly we are made to do is pray for our kids Some of the things we're made to do is take whatever stories of God's presence in our life we've been given and share those stories to give hope and peace and joy in a world filled with suffering and fear and despair. God has given us gifts so that the love God has shown us through the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ in our lives, God has given us gifts to take that love and make it real in the world around us. To do that in wildly different and different expressions of ways, using the different gifts and the diversity of abilities that we have. But one thing is certain, no matter what gifts we have, no matter what stories we have, no matter what our background is, God has given you a gift. And with that gift, he has a calling and a purpose in your life that you can put into practice. And when you use your gifts to do what God has called you to do, You're doing what you are made to do, and there is nothing better in life than that. Would you pray with me as the worship team comes back up? God, I confess that um, in my life so often, if I'm really honest about these questions, I'd have to say I'm distracted by so much noise in the world more than I'm focused on listening to your voice. Lord, if I confess, if I were to be honest, I would say I'm more discouraged by the challenges I face than I am hopeful because of the gifts and the strength you give. For any of us in this community for whom that's also true, I I just pray, God, Remind us, would your voice speak so that you can hear? Remind us that you, God, created us and gave us gifts and abilities, talents and resources. Would you, God, speak to us and tell us how we can use those gifts in our lives? And then, God, I pray, put before us specific opportunities, specific actions, specific things we can do, even today, to use the gifts you've given to follow the call that you've made so that we might live more of our lives doing what you, God, 
have made us to do. Amen.